In Acts chapter 17, uh, we're going to begin with the verse uh, 22. Uh, it says, Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars' heel and said, You men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are too superstitious. For I, as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God, whom therefore you ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. So Paul took their ignorant worship. In other words, they were worshiping uh, what they call the unknown God. They had other gods, but since we don't know for sure, we just make one to an unknown God, and we worship him, and maybe we'll hit it. Well, the Apostle Paul was very wise in his communication. He said, uh, uh, you're worshiping the unknown God, but you're worshiping this unknown God ignorantly. Actually, when we were in Jordan many years ago, uh, we were in Israel, and then we went over to Jordan and uh, went to uh, a place uh, where it actually had uh, to the unknown God. In other words, they had inscribed to the unknown God there in Petra. Uh, well, uh, they had a lot of superstitions in their beliefs, uh, the people that were living back there in that little uh, area. And so uh, there are people that don't really know God, and they don't know who God is. And so they, of course, uh, raise up different uh, idols or different things that they would uh, suppose to be God. And so, in this particular verse, he said, you worship him ignorantly. He said in verse 24, God that made the world. So, he's now going to declare who God is. So that they're not uh, any longer ignorant of the real true God. So, the God that uh, made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven... And earth dwelleth not in temples made with hands. Now this uh, true God is a God who made the worlds. And he doesn't dwell in a temple that is made with hands. Neither is worship with men's hands. As though he needed anything. Seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things. So God is the one that gives us life. He's the one that gives us breath. We understand. God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And so God created the human race. And he said, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. Well, chapter 2 of Genesis, it says God breathed into Adam the breath of life. So God gave life to man. And God gives life to all of humanity. He gives life to everyone and breath. And then he says in verse 26 is where I wanted to uh, primarily hit today. And hath made of one blood all nations of men. For to dwell on the face of the earth and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. So God is made of one blood all nations of men. So he is speaking generally of humanity. So all of humanity, he said, God has made of one blood. So we are the human race and God values every human being. God values every 
person. He values them so much that in the fall we know Adam sinned and he disobeyed God and the fall brought sin uh, into the human race and it affected all of humanity. And so we have sin in the world as a result of Adam's sin and disobedience and it has affected all of humanity. So all men have been affected by sin but all men are part of this human race that God has created, and he has made us of one blood. Now, since the fall, there's this thing that is constantly occurring in the human race, and that is division. Uh, that uh, Satan is a divider. Uh, we know uh, the scripture says, a house divided against itself cannot or will not stand. And so, Satan has always been a divider. He started in the first family. Obviously, they were of one blood. They were the first family. So, he started in the first family. Uh, Cain kills Abel. Uh, out of his own jealous rage, he kills his own brother, murders his own brother. And so, uh, then you see this division thing that occurs in the human race, and people separate for all kinds of reasons. Uh, there is a, a large range of reasons why people are divided or people are separated. Uh, so, in, the, in this world, we have this thing called division, that the devil is constantly at work dividing human beings for some reason or another. And one of the ways that he divides is because of race. But it is certainly not the only thing. It is, there are many, many things. But race is a big reason why people are divided in our world. But uh, truthfully, you can go to uh, different nations of the world. And you have within the same race different cultures, different tribes. And people divide uh, based upon that. And so no matter where you go in the world, there is division. Division is a part of this world, but it originates with Satan and with sin. So God, however, on the other side is the unifier. God is the one that brings us together. And uh, Jesus Christ is at work in this earth constantly, uh, battling with the side of darkness and division in order to bring unity and bring people together. And so we're going to look in the New Testament as well at the book of Ephesians. And in the book of Ephesians, uh, we find that Jesus Christ uh, started that work through his cross, through his death, through his blood, and through his giving of his life, laying down his life, so that uh, there could be a bringing together of the human race that was broken, that was splintered, uh, that was divided uh, because of sin and uh, because of Satan and because of evil that is in this world. So now God is going to reverse the curse. Uh, the curse is operative in the earth, but the blood of Jesus reverses the curse. And uh, if we acknowledge the power of the gospel and the power of the blood of Jesus and the power of the cross of Christ and his death, his burial, and his resurrection, uh, that will unify us and bring us together. Now, in the Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to begin 
uh, with verse 8. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Meaning simply that according to Romans 3, all have sinned. Uh, If there's anyone that hasn't sinned, uh, we don't know about it. And we don't know them. And the reality is that all have sinned. Because God said all have sinned and come short. Or fail to measure up to God's glorious standard of righteousness. And so we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. So therefore none of us can boast in our own righteousness. So the devil will take you to two extremes. He'll condemn you to death for your sin. Or he will take you to the extreme of pride and thinking that you are better than someone else. And that somehow you have attained to your own self-righteousness. Neither are correct. There is a place in the middle. Uh, Brother Hagin used to say, just stay in the middle of the road. When it comes to your belief system, stay in the middle of the road. Don't get in the ditch on either side of the road. Uh, How do you stay in the middle of the road? You stay with the Word of God. The only way you'll stay in the middle of the road uh, in your believing and your adherence to Jesus and to the gospel is uh, to maintain faith in the Word of God. So in verse 8, he says, by grace you are saved through faith. So since it is not of works, lest any man should boast, it is by grace, meaning it's God's unmerited favor. It's something he did for us through his death, burial, and resurrection. Uh, So it's something that we didn't merit, earn, and attain to by our own efforts or works of goodness. So he says it's by grace and what? Through faith. Grace is extended to all of humanity. Faith says, I believe it and I receive it. And so he says, through grace and faith we are saved, and it's not of ourselves. It is a gift of God, so eternal life or salvation is a gift that comes from God, and it is unearned. Verse uh, 10 now, he says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. For we are. Well, uh, According to this verse, you already are who God says you are. So then, uh, instead of trying to always become, we need to acknowledge that we are. And if we acknowledge that we are, then what's on the outside changes and is transformed to uh, reflect what is on the inside. So transformation has to take place, and that transformation will occur as a person's mind is renewed to the Word of God so that they see themselves the way God sees them. Now, in this verse, he said, we are God's workmanship. Other translations say, and many of them render it this way, you're God's handiwork. Uh, The verse in the psalm says, for God says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We are created by God both physically and we are created by God spiritually. In other words, there's a spiritual part of you and there is a physical part of you. In the sense of the fact that a person is born into this world, we are all of one blood. No matter what nation, what nationality, what race, we are all of one blood. That is a natural reality, and God says we're all of one blood. We all bleed the same. 
We may have a little different DNA, but I can tell you, you got blood, and the life of the flesh, according to the Bible, is in the blood. You don't have blood, you don't live. So that's why it is uh, so terrible to shed the blood of innocent people. And so, in this particular uh, verse now, we are talking about the spiritual side. God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. He created them as a spirit being in the image of God, but also in the likeness. There was a physical image of God. And so now, since the fall, there needed to be a redemption. And so Jesus, through his shed blood, has redeemed us from sin. And through his shed blood and through the cross of Christ, and the only antidote for sin is the cross and the blood of Jesus. If there were another way, we would have found it long ago. There is only one way. That's why Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through Jesus Christ. So the only way to God is through Jesus Christ. And by faith in the grace of God that is available because of his death, burial, and resurrection. So now God, through faith in Jesus, has recreated you in Christ Jesus. According to Ephesians 4, it says that you are to put on this new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Basically, uh, other translations say you are to clothe yourself in this new humanity. In other words, there's a new life, a new image of God that has been created in Christ Jesus, and God has created you in Christ Jesus, and he said, after God. In other words, you're created again in the image of God. Spiritually, you have God's life, God's nature. You are in relationship with God. You are the righteousness of God. You're accepted by God. You are approved by God. You belong to him. Amen. So then, in this verse again, in verse 10, he said, For we are God's workmanship, or God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus. Now, this verse is talking about the spiritual part of you. You're God's workmanship, you're God's creation, you're created in Christ Jesus. All right, so you're God's handiwork. Other translations say you're God's work of art. One says you're God's masterpiece. So you're God's workmanship, his masterpiece. In other words, the master created you. You're created by God. Now, that's every believer, any believer, anyone who has believed on the Lord Jesus Christ is created in the image of God, in the likeness of God, and they are God's very own handiwork or God's masterpiece. So he has put his signature on you. Praise the Lord. Now you can copy some famous painting and it may look exactly like it, but if it didn't have the signature of the painter original, it doesn't have the same value. But, hallelujah, we have, each of us have God's signature, the blood of Jesus has been placed on our life and the signature of the blood says that you are redeemed and that you're God's handiwork, you're God's workmanship and you're created in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, he says, created in Christ Jesus under good works which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. So he created you for good works. Or in other words, to live a different kind of life. Live a life that is like Jesus. Hallelujah. I hope that's your striving every day. 
that you're to live your life, to look like him, to act like him, to talk like him, to react like him or respond like him and do what he would do in every situation. Years ago, uh, it was a common phrase, uh, what would Jesus do in the uh, body of Christ? What would Jesus do? People wear braces. What would Jesus do? And sometimes they forgot they had that bracelet on and uh, they didn't do what Jesus would do. They didn't say what Jesus would say. They didn't act like Jesus would act. But I'm just telling you, whether it's a, a, a reminder on your arm or, or a reminder on your wall or a reminder uh, by a confession card that you may have, you have to be reminded of who you are in order to continually act like who God made you to be. Hallelujah. So he says, you're created in Christ Jesus under good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. Then the apostle Paul goes into this discourse of how this came about. How was this even made possible? What was your condition prior and what is your condition now? So in verse uh, 11, he says, wherefore, remember that in time past... Being in time past Gentiles in the flesh. So you have to remember where you came from. But don't forget where you are. All right, so he says, remember that you being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called circumcision in the flesh made by hands. In other words, you were either Jewish or Gentile. All right, so circumcision was a, a sign of their Jewishness and that they uh, were Jewish. And now he says the circumcised would call you uncircumcised or you would be called a Gentile. A Gentile is anyone other than a Jew. So any nationality then would be included in this Gentile category. Doesn't matter where you're from in the world, every nationality would be included in this Gentile world. So if you're not Jewish, you're Gentile. So he says, remember that in time past, whatever nationality you are, he says, but then in verse 12, that at that time you were without Christ. So if you're without Christ, what's the condition? You are aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. You are strangers from the covenants of promise. So you were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. You had no covenant. You were aliens, aliens to the covenant of promise. So you have no promise. You have no covenant with God. And on top of that, he takes you further down to humility. He said, having no hope and without God in the world. So we need to know where we came from. That we were without God. We had zero hope. There is no hope of eternity with God. There's no hope of eternity in the presence of God without Jesus Christ. But thank God we are not without him. Hallelujah. There's an old song, without him, I could do nothing. Without him, I'd surely fail. That's a song that was written, actually, the song that Mylon Lefevre wrote, and Elvis uh, sang that song or recorded it, and it actually brought uh, financial gain to Mylon's life as a teenager. And so, without him, 
I would be nothing. Without him, I'd surely fail. Right? So without him, I can do nothing. Without him, I'd surely fail. Without him, we can do nothing. But in him and through him, we can do all things through Christ. Hallelujah to Jesus. So we are not a sinking ship. And we're not like a ship without a sail, which is other words to, the, uh, to that song. We're not, without a, 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 we're not like a ship without a sail. In other words, we have no sense of direction. No course that we're on. No, God has a course. Paul said, I finished my course. I run my race. And everybody has a course. Everybody has a place. Everybody has a, 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 a place that they are to run their race and things that they are to do in life. Now, in this verse, he said, but we were without God and without hope. And we were in this world. But now, in Christ Jesus, who sometimes... We're far off or made nigh by the blood of Christ. You who were sometimes way afar away from God. Thank you, Jesus. You know, you can be in church and be far away from God. I mean, you could be in a family and a mom and a dad uh, that love Jesus. And you as a teenager can be far away from God. Or you can have a teenager that is close to God and the parents can be far away from God. You can be close proximity to God, but not know God. You can be close proximity to God and not be living in the light of eternity. And so here he says, but in Christ, you who are sometimes, who's he talking about? Jew and Gentile now. He said, you who are sometimes afar, and specifically he's addressing the Gentile world. He said, you were afar off, had no covenant with God, and you were strangers uh, to the covenants, and you were without hope and without God in this world, but now you are made nigh, how? By the blood of Jesus Christ. So God valued humanity just because God created humanity. And we're all of one blood, no matter of what nationality. We're all of one blood. And God values every human being and every human life. And unfortunately, this division factor causes this lack of value for other people's lives. Who perhaps are unlike you. And it's an unfortunate reality in our world that division comes, hatred comes, and uh, violence comes, and, and, and injustice comes because we, we, we live in a world of sin. And the only hope for sin is salvation. And the only hope of any salvation and deliverance is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. So the way out is through Jesus. The way out of sin is through Jesus Christ. And then getting our minds renewed to that reality of who Jesus is because we're created in Christ Jesus under good works which God foreordained that we should walk in them. So we got to see ourselves in Christ Jesus. But now, not only see ourselves in Christ, but see others in Christ. In other words, if we just see ourselves in Christ and don't see others in Christ, 
then we don't value them like we value ourselves. But God values every human being just because He created them and they're created all of one blood. But He has placed such value on all of humanity that He was willing to give His Son and Jesus was willing to go to the cross and Jesus was willing to die on the cross and Jesus was willing to shed His blood to make us blood-washed, blood-bought, blood-cleansed, blood-bought. Hallelujah, so that we are redeemed by nothing less than the blood of Jesus Christ, which was God's absolute best. There was no other way that humanity, fallen humanity, could know God and hope again and have hope of eternal life. There was no other way. If there were another way, God would have done it. But there was no other way that God could redeem humanity, that God would have to let His Son come down and and get in a body, become a man, identify with humanity, suffer brutal death at the hands of human beings, and literally become the sin of all humanity. And that blood and that blood alone can cleanse a heart from sin, from hatred, from bitterness, from pain. But the blood of Jesus and in His name has the power to redeem any person, no matter what their past has been. If they're still breathing, living, and they are living in this earth, they can call on the name of Jesus. And the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. Salvation is a gift. It is unearned. It is not merited by our good works. It's simply received by faith. Whatever your sin of your past has been, thank God the blood of Jesus can cleanse you again. And the blood of Jesus makes you whole. And the blood of Jesus places you in Christ. And he says, in Christ, we are made near by the blood of Jesus Christ. We have access. Hebrews 10 says, into the immediate presence of God. So what happens when we're cleansed by the blood of Jesus, when we get in Christ? For he is our peace who hath made both one and hath broken down that middle wall of partition between us. Has made both one, meaning Jew and Gentile. And Jew and Gentile, both one means that all human race, anyone who is born again, anyone who is in Christ, no matter what race, no matter what skin color, no matter what culture, no matter what could naturally divide us, thank God, the blood of Jesus makes us one in Christ Jesus. And if we recognize the blood of Jesus and we acknowledge the blood of Jesus and the value that God God has placed on every human being by being willing to send His only Son, His only Son, His only Son, the only one that could redeem us and all of humanity from sin and its demise. That blood makes us one. I said that blood makes us one. Hallelujah. And so sometimes in our world, when the division is highlighted, 
We must remember that Jesus' blood, the blood of Christ, washes us from sin and its control in our life. In other words, we refuse to let the world divide us. But we let Jesus and the Holy Spirit unite us as one. He is our peace who has made both one. God gives us peace and has broken down the middle wall of partition. So whatever wall is erected, whatever division points have been erected in our society, we must address them. But we must address them in faith, and we must address them in love. We must address them knowing that God has already done something that is so amazing in the cross, the death, the burial, the blood of Jesus, the resurrection of Christ that enables us to unite and enables us to believe and enables us to hope that we are no longer without hope in this world that is godless and in many cases is absolutely hopeless. And they are living to an unknown God or no God at all. They don't know God. They're without God. They're without hope in the world. And so they need to know him. And the best picture they're going to ever see of him is you and I unified. You and I in the church unified. You and I one together. You and I not only spiritually connected, but displaying outwardly. They're going to know that we are Christians and that we are his disciples by our love that we show, we demonstrate one to another. It is not just that I am a Christian. It's that I display a Christian manner and a Christian lifestyle and a Christian attitude. You say, what is that, Pastor? You know. If you've been around here any length of time, you know. I don't have time to tell you everything in one sermon. But you know how to behave in the house of God, and you know how to behave outside of the building because you're still in the household of faith. Live your life in a way that exemplifies Jesus Christ. Live your, live your life in a way that displays the love of Jesus, that displays Christ himself. It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. And the only way the world is going to be won over Either we follow the world or the world's going to follow us. And we're going to have to lead them to the cross. We're going to have to lead them to Jesus. Amen. So he says, you broke down the wall. So what is the wall that stands up in your mind? What is the wall that is erected in your thinking? Because I can tell you, God, God. God can break it down. Jerry, do you mind if I share your story a little bit, just briefly? All right. Jerry was cleaning the church years ago. She was cleaning. She's a servant in the house of God. And she was thinking negatively. She was thinking, they think I'm supposed to do this. And about that time, my mother walked by and said, it is so beautiful 
to clean the house of God. But she did it in that high voice. It's so beautiful to clean the house of the Lord. Jeriel just told me this. She just told me this Friday. So beautiful to clean the house of the Lord. And she said that thing broke immediately off of her. In other words, I'm just going to tell you, she was thinking because of the color of my skin, they think I'm supposed to do this. But she said immediately, that thing broke off of her, and she's been free to clean the house of God for years. And if you know Jeriel, she's been cleaning the house of God voluntarily, and then she uh, works part-time on her staff. But she's been cleaning the house of God. See, that was something she was thinking, but it wasn't God's thinking. God's thinking came out of my mother's mouth when she passed her. And it broke that thinking right out of her soul. Because she is valued by God. And the fact that she's willing to serve the house of God, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God. Than be the king of the land. Or to be the president of the, uh, of the United States. It's an honor to serve in the house of God. See the devil wants to put little thoughts in your mind that divide. And say they think. I can tell you year after year after year people have come to me and said. They were thinking that I was thinking, not about necessarily racial things, but certain things that somehow I didn't like them for some reason that we would have to say is unknown. But they, and, and I greatly respect the fact that they would actually come to me rather than live with that torment. They would actually come to me and say, Pastor, Were, do you think this about me? And I was able to freely say, I have never had a thought. That's, that's freedom. Zero. Literally. Never had a thought that I didn't like you. In fact, I've admired you. That you serve in the house of God. And that you do this and serve in this way. You know, the devil wants to divide us. By our thinking that sometimes has no validity whatsoever. There are other valid times and valid things that people may have issues with or whatever. And you need to address those at times as well. But the honest dialogue or communication, I was able to say, no, I've never, never thought that. Please be assured. I've never thought that. And I don't think that. So let your heart be free. Let your mind be free. So the devil is a divider. But you, you, how many people have left the church because they thought I thought? Or they thought somebody thought? Are you with me today? They thought. It's a wall of division. The devil builds walls to try to divide us from one another. But God, by the Holy Spirit, unifies God, by the Holy Spirit, helps us to come together in the love of Jesus Christ. Amen? So let's go to the next verse. 
having abolished in his flesh the enmity, anything that makes us enemies. Jesus abolished in his flesh even the law of commandments contained an ordinance for to make in himself of two or twain one new man, so making peace. Woo! I'll tell you, it's a wonderful thing to have peace. That Jesus can really give you peace. If you have real peace, you can go to sleep at night. If you have real peace, you can see people and you're not all disturbed. You can see somebody that maybe even said something you thought they shouldn't say and you still have peace. Why? Because the peace of God rules in your heart. God is the author of peace. Let me swing it to the other side. James tells us the devil is the author of confusion. If there's confusion, if there's strife and division and confusion, James says, in every evil work, in contrast to the peace of God, we might need to examine our own heart, our own mind. How am I living my life? Am I thinking negatively? Am I thinking wrongly in some cases if it needs to be addressed and it's literal and it's something that needs to be, you know, because sometimes people say things out of line. Sometimes you need to talk to them as a brother. You know, the Bible says go to your brother, not your other brother. No, 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 not, not your third, fourth, fifth brother. No, he says go to your brother. In other words, if your brother offends you, you go to him. But people tend to do this. They go to someone else and talk to someone else about what so-and-so said. You will never fully resolve what so-and-so said by going to someone else and talking to them about what so-and-so said. It'll never happen. They may give you some encouragement. They may give you some encouragement to go on with your life. But I can tell you, you don't resolve conflict by talking to someone else about what so-and-so said. Now, that's not in my notes. I think I'm preaching real good outside of my notes right now. But it's truth. It's the Word of God. So if you follow the Word, you follow faith. And if you follow faith, you get resolution. If you get resolution, you can have peace. And if you have no peace, you might need to consider what I just said. All right, so let's go back to the verse. He said, he has abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in the ordinance to make in himself of twain or two, one new man. So we are one in Christ Jesus. Every one of us, no matter what race, no matter what culture, whatever difference that could divide. I mean, the, uh, the wonderful thing about uh, a, a church that is uh, interracial and uh, that actually has a lot of different cultures in it is that you learn from different cultures. There's strengths in different cultures that you can gain from, you can glean from, you can learn from, and you can be a better person as a result because you learn from someone else. And you actually live the Christian life. You love people that were different from you. And if you're married, you might have figured out that your spouse is different from you. That was the beginning, certainly, of your awakening. I trust you had a spiritual awakening when you got married. 
You don't even have to wait for Spiritual Awakening Conference. Just get married. And you'll find out they're different. And so now you've got to live with somebody that's so different from you, which means that you've got to develop in the love of God and learn how to walk in love. And the more people that you are in relationship with that have differences from you, helps you to learn to love people and value people for who they are. And everybody is valuable to God. And the blood of Jesus is proof 